Hello, I'm Alvina Ling, Editor-in-Chief at Little Brown Books for Young Readers, and I'm pleased to welcome listeners to the latest episode of the Little Brown School and Library Podcast. This episode features a conversation with Barry Liga. Barry is the author of a number of acclaimed YA novels, including the I Hunt Killers trilogy. His latest book with LBYR is Bang. Bang is the story of Sebastian, a teen dealing with the aftermath of a horrible gun tragedy in the family. The book has received starred reviews from School Library Journal, Publishers Weekly, and Kirkus. Welcome, Barry. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. So, uh, we told you that we were going to talk about guilt. Yes. And so, obviously, Sebastian, his father, and his mother are all dealing with guilt in their own ways. Can you talk a little bit more about that and how they each are dealing with it? Sure. I, you know, the father is the easiest one to talk about because he is absent as the book begins. And this happens a lot in families where there are tragedies like this. The family fragments. It, it can't support the weight of the, of the tragedy and the guilt. And, uh, and the parents divorce and the family splits. And this is what's happened here. So his father is gone. So that's how he's dealing with the guilt. He has removed himself completely from the situation. Uh, Sebastian's mom is problematic for Sebastian because he has to be with her. He's still a kid. He's living at home. And he can't avoid her. And the way she deals with it is by not talking about it. Um, And Sebastian can tell that she's sad, but she doesn't want to talk about it. She doesn't want to deal with it at all. And Sebastian himself as a result, deals with it by by not being able to talk about it. There's nobody really he can go to. He has a therapist that he's been to, but that's about it. And as a result, he uh, he has he's isolated himself, and he has also sort of retreated into a past that isn't his own. He is obsessed with the 80s. He's obsessed with 80s pop culture, and he sort of lives in this time warp, um, this place that for him is much safer and more pleasant um, because his entire life is, is a horror show. His entire life, there, there's no part of his life that was not uh, tinged with guilt. So he has to retreat to a time before he was even born. And that's what he's done. So this is not a spoiler because it actually is in the jacket copy. But can you talk a little bit more about what the tragedy was for our listeners? Sure. Uh, the tragedy is that when Sebastian was four years old, uh, he picked up his father's loaded handgun, which was lying unattended in the house, and shot and killed his baby sister, who was about four months old at the time. And he doesn't remember this. Um, of course, he knows it happens because how could you not know? But he, does, he doesn't remember it. And this is something that has, has obviously just destroyed his family, uh, this, this sort of tragedy. So the gun belonged to his father, yeah. and the gun was unattended. In your opinion, who is guilty Wow. Uh, you know, I, I think in this case, you know, sorry, you, you have to put the blame on the father. I mean, this is a four-year-old child who never should have had his hands on a gun. I, I think anybody would agree that a four-year-old child should not have a, a handgun. And uh, so, yeah, the, the father should have been more attentive, certainly. Um, that's not something that I'm sure is – I'm not sure that that assuages Sebastian's guilt. <laughs> Uh, he is still the one who pulled the trigger, and he knows that, even if he doesn't remember it. Um, so I, I'm not sure that that fixes his problem and 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 cures him if if there's a way to be cured from this. But certainly, I, I think from an objective viewpoint, you'd have to blame the father. 
So Sebastian talks about the memory hole, and you talk about how Sebastian does not remember. Can right. you talk a little bit more about the memory hole? Yeah, I mean, it's you know, the memory hole comes from uh, 1984, a great novel that is more and more prescient every day I live on this earth. And uh, the, the idea of the memory hole was that it was a place where Big Brother would put things that Big Brother didn't want you to remember. Uh, so, you know, if there was an event that happened and Big Brother decided that it was better if you didn't know about it, then all news reports, eyewitness reports, information about that event, photographs, whatever, would just be destroyed. And it was referred to as going into the memory hole, which is sort of a, a black hole for memories, something that nothing can escape from. And Sebastian talks about his sister being in the memory hole because he doesn't remember her. His mother won't talk about her. There are no pictures of her in the house. There's nothing at all of her in the house, no mementos at all. Her, his mother has sort of erased uh, her presence from the house because it's too painful. And so it, it's as if she'd never existed, except he knows that she did. There is a line in the book uh, that Sebastian says. He says, symbolism is bullshit. <laughs> but there is a lot of symbolism in this book. Um, sure. Can you talk a little bit about some of the symbolism that you, you used for to represent guilt? For example, um, he Sebastian likes to take bike rides at night. Sure. And he talks about rain as being cleansing. So that was one example that I. That's had. true. He he likes rain. He likes any sort of rain. Um, and I think also for him, he's sort of become fixated. There's a, an old uh, trailer on the outskirts of town that he goes to that he's become sort of fixated on, um, which has become for him symbolic of his desire to escape because. Again, this is not a spoiler because it's on the jacket. Um, he is planning to kill himself. This is how, this is the most egregious and, and horrifying expression of his guilt is he's decided he doesn't deserve to live with what he's done. And this, uh, this trailer is the place where he decides he's going to do it and he keeps going back to it. It's almost like a totem for him or, or a fetish where he keeps going back to it and he's obsessed with it. And that sort of becomes symbolic of the release that he knows he will someday get when, when he joins his sister in the memory hole and he disappears forever. So with guilt, I think the opposite or the, the counterbalance to guilt is forgiveness. How does forgiveness play a role in this book? Forgiveness is tough, especially for something like this. I mean, how you asked before who was responsible, who was the guilty party, and it's the father, but... Once you've blamed the father for leaving the gun around, and even if you were to punish him somehow, what else do you do? Uh, you can't really punish Sebastian. He was four years old. Even even in the United States, we wouldn't try him as an adult. Uh, we would acknowledge that this is a horrible, tragic accident. And so as a result, I, I don't know how you can't forgive the father for leaving the gun around. You can be angry at Sebastian for what he did, but you can't really blame him because he was a child. So it feels strange to forgive him when he just made a mistake. And yet a mistake should be easy to forgive, but this is something you can't take back. And he's, he can't figure out how to forgive himself either. It, it really, it's, it's such a, the reason I wrote this book was because it wasn't easy. There was no easy answer to any of these questions. I still don't know. I mean, I wrote the whole book and I still don't know what the answer to these questions could possibly be. Uh, this is something that actually happens, you know. Um, it actually happens out in the world. We've all seen the headlines. And I have, I have no idea how people move on from that. I've, I've speculated in this book, but I, I just don't know how you move on from something like this. Well, that leads into uh, another question I was going to ask. 
and maybe you've already answered some of it, but um, is there something that drew you to explore the theme of guilt? You know, the idea for the book came from my wife, actually. Uh, this was, strangely enough, right after we had our first child, <laughs> she said to me, you know what nobody's ever written about? Nobody has ever written about these kids who get a hold of a gun and accidentally kill somebody. What, what, what must that be like? What does that do to you as a person to know that you've done that? And, and I thought, oh, my God, what, what does that do to you? And I had to write the book to figure out what that might do to somebody. And... I think, you know, guilt just had to be a huge part of it because I couldn't envision a scenario where even even at a young age, if you did this and even if you had no memory of it, I couldn't envision a scenario where you just sort of grow up shrugging your shoulders and going, oh, well, I did this. I, di- I didn't know what I was doing. It was a mistake. I, I feel OK with myself. Maybe it's because I'm Catholic and Jewish and I, I feel guilty all the time no matter what I do. Um, but I couldn't imagine a scenario where you would feel okay, where you would just be able to brush it off and, and get get on with your life. So it became necessary to to explore guilt. And the more I thought about guilt, the more I thought about, you know, sort of the just the the overwhelming weight of it and the gravity of it and sort of dragging you down and thinking – wow, at that point, it might be a relief to think, if I kill myself, I won't feel this way anymore. I won't feel this bad. And that's sort of where the, the suicidal ideation in the book came from, uh, Sebastian's plans to, to kill himself and, and the way he sort of looks forward to it. And, and he's not in a hurry to do it, but it's something where he feels like it's something he can control in his life. He knows, well, things are bad. If they get too bad, I can always kill myself, and then I won't feel bad anymore. And that's sort of a comfort to him in a strange way. And I wanted to explore, you know, this extreme way that you can try to avoid your guilt or get away from your guilt and the, the fact that he feels so guilty and so horrible that killing himself is actually a comfort and, and sort of a, a balm to him. So you mentioned that Sebastian isn't necessarily in a hurry to kill himself. Yeah, which is actually something that a lot of people who consider suicide actually have that attitude. They consider that it can wait. I'm going to do it, but I don't have to do it right now. And that's why a lot of times people say, oh, you know, they they seemed fine. And then this happened. It's because they were fine. And then they just decided, no, now's the time. So what are some of the things in Sebastian's life that maybe put put off his plans for a while. Well, it's certainly not his parents. Um, And as far as friends go, he doesn't have many. His best friend is a kid named Evan, who is this rich kid from the other side of town. And uh, they sort of fell together and they became best friends. But Evan is off at rich kid summer camp uh, when the book starts. So he doesn't have Evan around either. But what does happen is uh, one of the main things that keeps him around for a while is a girl named Anissa moves into town. And uh, she's like nobody he's met before. She's a Muslim, uh, and she's new to town. And the town that this book is set in is based in in part on the town that I grew up in, which was a very uh, very white town. <laughs> and so she definitely stands out in this town. And the two of them sort of fall in together and and become really good friends. And that's one thing that that keeps him grounded a little bit. And so the suicide ideas are always there, but there's also, oh, but in the meantime, I've got this new friend, and she's sort of fun and interesting. So Anissa and Sebastian end up making pizza together. Yeah. This is something that Sebastian has always been interested in, and it's sort of the uh, the one thing that he has that's his. 
that is something creative that he can do because his whole life has been defined by this singular destructive act. And he likes making pizza. He makes homemade pizza, which is something I like to do. And it was just one of those things, you know, people always want to know, are any of these characters you? And the, the honest answer to that question is there's always a little bit of you in every character. It's the only way you can write them. Uh, it doesn't matter if the character is like you at all. You've got to put a little bit of you in them in order to write them. And when I was writing the book, you know, we talked before about guilt and forgiveness and suicide. And these are all really dark and grim topics. And you don't want to shy away from them. But by the same token, nobody's life is unrelenting horror. Um, there's always moments of levity and there's there's always moments of joy, even if they're fleeting. And I wanted something that Sebastian could have that was his and something that would be fun and entertaining for him. And for him, it's it's these pizzas and, that he makes. And he tells Anissa about it and she's like, I like pizza. And they start making pizzas together. And it's sort of a, a fun thing. And, and I hope that people will uh, enjoy the pizza in the book <laughs> as, a, as a respite from some of the other, uh, the other things that are going on. We should have put a lot of pizza emoji in the book. I don't know why we didn't. I, I wasn't thinking straight. We can do that with the paperback. Reader. In the paperback, right. There you go. So uh, they not only do they make pizza, but they start a YouTube channel. Yeah, they start a YouTube channel of pizza making, uh, which, which just sort of occurred to me. It wasn't a part of the original plan for the book. It was something that as I had them in the kitchen together making the pizza, I thought, oh, you know, for him, this is a personal thing. And it's sort of it's a balm for him. It makes him feel better. It allows him to not think about things for the, the space of time that he's making the pizza. But she doesn't know that. She has no idea what he's done because she's new to town. And so as a result, she sort of thinks, well, let's do something more with it. And she comes up with this idea of, of a YouTube channel of them making pizza, which they start to do. And, and that becomes something that fun, too, that they enjoy. But it's Sebastian. So, of course, he starts to feel guilty about that as well. Uh, and, and that drives uh, some of the later action of the book. Why does he feel guilty about the YouTube channel? Well, because he's enjoying it. And the problem with Sebastian is that no matter how happy he is, at the end of the day, he's still Sebastian and he still did what he did. And no matter how good he feels, he's always going to remember, I did this thing, so I don't deserve to feel as good as I felt. So he's really, it, it's a very difficult sort of vicious cycle where the better he feels, the worse he feels later about feeling that good. Um, and that's... that. That's a, a big problem, obviously. So without any spoilers, do you think Sebastian can ever fully forgive himself? That's an excellent question. And the truth of the matter is this is a really difficult thing to overcome. And I think that it's probably one of those things that takes a lifetime. I, I don't know that, that there's ever a moment in your life when you can just look back and say, oh, okay, you know, now, now I've gotten over it as of today. I think it's probably something you work on for your, for your whole life. And I, I, think, I think that it's probably something where the best you can hope for is that at a point in the future, you will think about it less. You know, it never really goes away. Um, but just at some point in the future, you won't think about it as often as you did in the past. And that's probably the most you can hope for. So going back to Sebastian and his father and his mother and how they're all dealing with it, how does that affect their relationships with each other? You, you touched a little bit on this, but can you expand a little bit? Yeah. Sebastian and his mom are sort of living 
they're, they're almost more like roommates than mother and son. They live in the same house, but they don't really talk to each other. They don't typically eat meals together. Uh, when Sebastian makes a pizza, they'll eat together sometimes. And, and the way his mother communicates that she would like him to make a pizza, she doesn't say to him, hey, will you make a pizza tonight? She just puts the ingredients for the pizza in the fridge. And then he knows, oh, okay, I should make a pizza tonight. Um, you know, she's got her own grief that she's dealing with, obviously. I, I, I realize as I'm saying it how harsh that sounds that, you know, this mother who won't talk to her child. Um, but she's got her own grief that she's dealing with, too. And so, you know, they, they just have this very sort of difficult relationship where they have to live in this house together, and it's, it's tough for them to do that. The father is just not in the picture. So, um, you know, there, there is no relationship there. Um, he's just completely sort of separated himself from the family, um, probably because of the guilt he feels from leaving the gun unattended. So this isn't actually mentioned in the book. Um, you know, when the when the book opens, the family is already broken. Right. In your mind, when do the parents split up? Is it immediately after what happened? I, I sort of have in my mind that it was probably a year or so later because I think a lot of times what happens in these situations is first everybody comes together out of solidarity in their, in their grief and then – the cracks start to show later, and you just can't. It's just not sustainable anymore at a certain point. So I think probably roughly a year after after the tragedy, he probably left. Well, thank you so much, Barry, for this very interesting discussion. Thank you for having me. This has been Alvina Ling for the Little Brown School and Library Podcast with Barry Liga, author of Bang. Stay tuned for our next episode. <laughs>